Amen. When things don't go the way you planned. A plan is something that's arranged ahead of time. If you're a woman like me, we love plans. Can I get an amen, ladies? You know, we don't really care what happens in our situations, our lives, men of God. This is just free for you in a marriage. Just give us a plan. You know, let us know what's going to happen. You know, if we're going to have money this month, let me know. If we're going to maybe be evicted, let me know. If, if I need to buy candles because the lights won't get paid, let me know. Just, just give me a plan. Give me a plan. Let me know what's happening. Um, arrange ahead of time. It's a decision that's been made in our heart by faith of what you think is supposed to happen. It's an intentional desire or a thought of how things are supposed to be. When you get up every day, whether you know it or not, you are making a plan. Your plan is to get up, get dressed, get your keys, get in the car, drive to work. That's a plan. But you all know sometimes you get up, can't find anything to wear, have lost your keys, and there's traffic the whole entire way to work. Or you get a flat tire or the cars, you know, something happens. That it just it doesn't go as planned. But in our minds, we all have a plan, an intention on the way things are supposed to be. Proverbs 69 again says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. A man's heart plans. We, people of God, we plan the way our day should go. We plan the way an event should happen. We plan the way our Christmas season should occur. But the Lord directs steps. You can arrange in the way you're supposed to go, but the Lord directs. In other words, he controls what you do, where you go, and how you do it. Can I get an amen? No matter how much we try to disconnect from our God, he still has a way of getting right in the middle of our lives and controlling it and reminding us he is the director. You know, a director that controls a film's um, artistic and dramatic aspect, that's their, their job. That's the job or the role of a director. They conduct the artistic and dramatic aspect of a film. The director is the one who visualizes what's going to happen. He gets the technical crew together. He gets the actors together. He makes sure that the script happens exactly how it's supposed to happen. He also knows who the cast members are and the design, and he does all of the film directing. That's what a director does. You know God's a director in our lives? Our, our lives are nothing but a movie. You know that, right? Have you been in a situation in your life, and you think, my God, this is the most amazing movie I've ever been a part of in my life? It, you know, I don't know about you, but my movie of my life is usually typically crazy. You know, artistic. God is artistic, meaning that he controls the beautiful aspects of our life. Isn't it amazing how the very hard, most low things that happen to us become the most beautiful things that happen? Do not think it's in our own will or our own plan or our own desire that those things happen that way. It is God that causes ugly things to become beautiful. Isaiah 61 and 3 says this. It says, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Isaiah 61 and 3 is painting a beautiful picture of what our God does for us. That instead of us having ashes or a sorrowful situation, he somehow, in his miraculous power, makes it beautiful. And then he exchanges oil of joy for mourning. You know God is a God of exchange, right? So in the directing process of our lives... We may be going through a hard, difficult time, and God the whole time is saying, oh, no, this is the best part, because the more ugly it is, the more beautiful I will make it. So God goes on as the director that he causes dramatic 
episodes to happen in your life, we should all say amen to that. We should all be like, yes, God, you do. God loves the drama. Can I get an amen? Dramatic means an exciting, emotional, or unexpected series of events or circumstances. The story of our lives. Can I get an amen? Emotional, unexpected series of circumstances. How about this? God could say, okay, in this scene, you're going to be in a park. And you're, you know, instead, and God could have said, your walk in the park's going to be easy and nothing's going to happen. But that's not typically the God that I know. Can I get an amen? You, usually the walk in the park has a many, many, many different scenes in the park. Okay, the water fountain's not going to work in the park when I'm thirsty. Can I get an amen? The swing little part is going to be missing, so I can't swing. All right? You know, you're in the park. Some strange person will be following you in the park. And God is saying, oh, no, this is good because in the strange things, in the dramatic things, I'm going to show myself strong for you, and you're going to learn to depend on me when dramatic, unexpected circumstances occur. God is literally allowing you to have unexpected things happen, and those things are typically called trials. And we don't like trials. If you ever say you need a trial, please pray for yourself. Do not ever say, God, I need a trial. Just be glad that you're going through the little bit you're going through. Believe me, it's coming. He will make sure that the dramatic part happens. There has to be a climax in every story. So 1 Peter 4 and 12 says this, Beloved, think it not strange concerning fiery trials as to try you as though same, some strange thing happened to you. When we're walking with Jesus, we cannot get caught up in how did this happen and why is this happening. That is just a part of the movie. Can I get an Amen. There is no good movie unless there's a dramatic part. In fact, the next time you're going through something, you just say, God, thank you that this is going to be the best episode of my life and that you have something incredible and in the back end, that something good is going to happen out of it. You know, God not only controls the artistic directing, he doesn't just control the dramatic directing, he controls casting. Can I get an amen? He, he, he controls casting. That's why some people who were in your life before are not here now. Because God knows who is going to benefit you for not you, but for what he has planned. God will uproot, remove, push people away from you. People that you loved and thought that you could not exist without. God has a way to removing those very ones out of your life because they are no good for you. And isn't it amazing you don't realize they were not good for you until they're gone? Come on, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. That man that was your everything, he was everything that you looked, thought he should look like. He had the six-pack. He had the green eyes. He was six foot four. He had the car. The Mercedes had the job. But he was a jerk. And God says, no, no. I, and how about this? He didn't love Jesus. And God had to move that green-eyed monster away from you and gave you a little five-foot-eight brown-eyed man. But he loves the Lord. He keeps the job. He's bald, but he's good. <laughs> because God controls the casting. He knows what you need. He knows who you need. Judges 7 talks about Gideon. Gideon was a mighty man of God. And I'm not going to read the entire chapter to you, but it's Judges chapter 7. And, and, and he's facing a battle. And he needs a lot of people to fight the battle. Because, you know, there's strength in numbers, right? You know, he needs a lot of people in the battle. So, so he goes to God and he gets direction, and he had 20,000 men with him. That would make me feel confident as a leader of an army, to have 20,000 against somebody, right? 
You know, in, in the word of God, the Lord says this in Judges 7 and 3. It says, now therefore proclaim in the hearing, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn into part uh, from the Mount Gilead. And the 20,000 people returned and 20,000 turned into 10. Because 10,000 of the 20 were scared. 10,000 of the 20 were frightened. Come on, you don't want fear anywhere around you ever in your life, right? Why? Because fear is contagious. So God said, nope, out of that 20, only 10 don't have fear. And then, and then verse 4, Judges 7 and 4, it says, the Lord said to Gideon, that's still too many people. Wait, are you kidding me? I'm about to fight a terrible oppressor. I need strength. God says, uh-uh, uh-uh, that's still too many people. Isn't our God good? So then Judges 7 and 7, uh, it goes on to explain that they, God gave them instruction and the ones who went to get water, if they rested on their knee, they're not good for you. But the ones that stood and got the water, they're still good for you. And that 10,000 people of God turned to 300. He went from 20,000 to 10,000 to 300 people. And then verse 7 and 7, Judges 7 and 7 says, Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go in every man out of this place. And God's saying, uh-uh, 300 will do. Because he is the casting director. He knows who you need. God can do less with more. Wait, no, that's not right. Don't amen that. God can do more with less. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He's like, no, thank you. I love y'all. You're amen. Well, not really, Kelly. Okay, right. God can do less. More with less. That's right, devil. He can do more with less. <laughs> God will remove people from your life because he's the casting director. Now, here's what we have to remember when things are happening to us, when things go, don't go the way we planned. We need to know this, that Hebrews 12 and 2 says this, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Do you realize that literally everybody in here is a book? According to the scripture, he, Jesus, is the author. He created and he's the finisher. In other words, he knows all the stuff in the middle. Now, I wish I sometimes wish that God would give me a preview on the next chapter. Can I get an Amen. It's like, God, can you just give me a sneak preview of what's about to happen? Because you'll be in your book and you'll say, my God, my life is amazing. My life is perfect. There's nothing that can go wrong. And then you flip a page and all hell breaks loose. And it's like, God, it would have been nice if you would have gave me a sign, a tweet, a post, a hint. Snapchat me what's about to happen, Jesus, so I can be prepared in my spiritual walk. But God says, no, 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 i got to keep this thing dramatic. I got to keep it exciting. I got to see, are you going to do what you said you're going to do? Everything in the middle has been written. And the fact that you might deviate from it doesn't mean that God does not have a way of putting you right back where you're supposed to be. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It, you know, again, your plans and God's directing. So what do you do when things don't go planned? What do you do when things don't go planned? Here's the first thing you do, people of God. Remember that God has a plan for your life. Remember, isn't that easy? Remember God has a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible because it puts me back on the right path. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. No matter what we go through in our life, never think that God is out to get you. God is not out to hurt you. God has plans not to hurt you but to help you. 
to prosper you, to cause you to be successful. He wants you to be successful, and there's hope and there's a future attached to the plan in your life. If you're in a bad spot right now and you have no way getting of how you're going to get out, do not lose hope in this season. God is giving you hope by this message here today that there is a way out. Amen. How about this scripture, Proverbs 19 and 21? It says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I'm going to say that again. Many are the plans in our hearts, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. I think there's many of you here that if you think back to your life, you're amazed that you're even sitting in church today. You had a far more different plan for your life. And you had no, Jesus was nowhere in the story of your life. He was okay as a good person, maybe an angel on high, but you didn't want to mess him with your stuff. Can I get an amen? Stay way far over here. Do not come here nor toward me. Listen, the purpose of the Lord will prevail. You all spent three weeks with Pastor and I telling you of our story, of how we got married at 18 and how Pastor made all the mistakes in our marriage and how, <laughs> you know, you, you, I, I'm kidding, but you heard all the turmoil that was caused when you get an 18 and a 19-year-old kids married, kids having kids, no money, all that craziness. Go. We told you the story. And a lot of times when I'm saying, I'm like, oh, God is so good because, you know, I met Pastor Steele and I knew I wanted his Letterman jacket and I, and I loved him so much. But, but you know what the joke of it is? The joke of it is, is that God used Pastor to get to me, to fulfill his plan. You know, listen, when I met Pastor Steele, Reggie Steele, I was not serving God at all. I was not a Christian at all. Pastor Steele was a secret closet Christian. I didn't know he knew about Jesus. When I got pregnant with an unplanned baby, it got me out of my house, which is a blessing, because my house was kind of far from the Lord, and pushed me into a house that was full of the Lord. And when I got into the house full of the Lord and had a baby, it wasn't about the baby, it wasn't about the family, it was about God's purpose. So you have to understand this, from the time I was about four or five years old, I would stand in the mirror in my bathroom with a hairbrush, and I would be a newscaster. I loved it. I would get my brush, I would shut that bathroom door, and I'd report all kinds of terrible stuff. Today in Phoenix, Arizona, four people were killed in a manslaughter looking for, you know, I do the whole thing. Back to you. <laughs> and I throw it back to myself. Thank you for that story. Now moving on today, in Arizona, the temper, you know, I was a weather girl, I was a news girl. I, I loved it. I had no problem being in front of the camera. I had no problem speaking in front of people. I knew within myself I wanted to speak and I would talk and people would listen. And I loved that. I had confidence in that. My parents brought me up with that. My dad always told me, sit in the front of the class and have all the answers, which got me kicked out a couple of times, Daddy, but that's okay. I was just, I was doing what I was prepared to do. I had no problem. I knew this a microphone would be in my hand. I was going to go to Walter Cronkite School of Journalism, which I was accepted into that school, had a scholarship to that school, got pregnant, dropped out of school. And here it is, having no idea what I'm going to do with my life. The dreams, the desires, it was even written on my wall. I did all the right things. I wasn't saved, but I had on my wall, graduate from college. 24 years old, have my degree. 26 years old, have my own talk show. On my wall, I wanted to be Oprah. That was my full passion. And here I am pregnant. The purpose of the plans in a person's heart. My heart, my heart, my plans were destroyed. 
But because I got pregnant by a man of God that was connected to a family of God that introduced me to God, I began to change my life. God had put his hand on me before the foundation of the earth. And, re I, and now today I realized that, yes, daughter, you are going to be a newscaster, but God said you are going to preach the good news. See, see, come on. The desire I had had nothing to do with MSN, NBC, ABC, Fox. It had to do with the Bible, Jesus Christ. God knew, okay, you're going to be my mouthpiece. You're going to be my spokesperson. The reason why you want to report the good news is because the good news is in you. I, I don't, I don't, I, did I have to go through the pregnancy? No. Did I have to go? No, I caused that. But God has a way of making all things work together for the good. He said, I don't know, I don't care how you get to me, but you're going to get to me and you're going to do exactly what I called you to do. So that's my story. Every time I'm up here, I laugh at myself because that's what I want. Do you guys realize that when I still watch the news today, I'm low-key jealous of newscasters? I'm serious. I watch them and I think I'd do that better. I wouldn't say it. You know, I critique it because that's a desire of my heart. But God says, no, 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 no. My purpose overrides the desire of your heart. Let me say that to you. God's purpose overrides the desire of your heart. Things might not be happening in your life the way you want it to, but I guarantee you, you will see purpose in it. You will see purpose in it. Some of you went to prison or know people that went to jail. It was not the desire of your heart to go to jail, but God found purpose in it because in that jail cell, lives are protected. A person came in and spoke life to that person, and they came out and they're serving God. I know stories like that all the time. The purpose wasn't to go to jail, but God said, uh-uh, or the, the plan it wasn't, but God said, okay, go there. My purpose will still find you. His purpose will still find you. You could be in a bad situation right now. Let me tell you this, woman of God, man of God, God's purpose will still find you. Come on, give God a hand praise for that. His purpose. So when things don't go the way you planned, please remember that God has a plan for your life. It's going to happen. Doesn't make any sense. Man, don't you want to go to God and be like, God, this makes no sense. Like, and, and be mad at God. I know pastor's like, I'm never mad at God. Thank God for pastor. I have had many, many mad talks with God and said, this makes no sense. But God's like, oh, just watch. Just wait. Just wait and see what I do with the movie of your life. So the second thing you do when things don't happen the way you plan is you, you, you be encouraged. You stay in the place of encouragement. I spoke this word to my ladies on Wednesday night because I really felt that the women of God here needed to remind, uh, needed a reminder not to just be encouraged, but to stay in the place of encouragement. To be means to exist. Encourage means to have hope, to have confidence, and to be built strong. And that's what I want to do. I want to encourage you to stay in the place of confidence, stay in the place of hope. But you realize when things don't go the way you planned, that's when discouragement sets in. I know a lot of people that were living on fire for God and something didn't happen the way they thought and discouragement literally caused them to pull away from God. They became discouraged and without encouragement, it's hard to go forward in the things of Christ. It takes courage to stand strong with Jesus, right? So it didn't happen the way you planned and then it become, you become disappointed. You become disappointed. And so the confidence that you had and the hope that you had disintegrates, not because God is not good, but just because you, you're disappointed. You're disappointed, meaning that things didn't happen in the timely manner you thought it was going to happen, or things didn't happen in the way you thought it was supposed to happen. 
Disappointment. Think of how silly that is to, disappoint, to be disappointed. Let me, let me give you this scripture right here. It says this. See, the enemy is after our encouragement because Hebrews 10, 35, and 37 says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Your confidence, the encouragement that you have through Jesus Christ, has a reward attached to it. What is that reward? That thing that you're believing God for. That thing that you've been praying for. If you stop believing and start praying, you'll never see the reward that God had in store for you. 1 John 5 and 14 says this. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we asked of him. Do you realize how powerful the scripture is when it comes to being encouraged? It says, listen, when you're encouraged, you have confidence that no matter what you ask God, you will get is that according to his will. Let me add that part right there. Let me tell you, do not think that God does not answer prayer. Do not think that God will not do things on your behalf. It might not happen as quick as you want, but you have to know that God is doing something behind the scenes. That when you pray to God and believe him to do something in your life, it will come to pass in the name of Jesus. It might take some time, but don't be disappointed because of the time it takes. All kinds of things happens in our life where there's a delay. And I don't know about you, but I hate delays. I can't stand delays. I mean, I just, I just feel like I shouldn't have to deal with delays. <laughs> I'm serious. Listen, I went to a state championship game. And there was about, my God, a thousand people in line, right, Daddy? A thousand people in line. And I didn't get tickets, enough tickets for everybody. And so I looked at that line and I said, I am not supposed to wait in this line. <laughs> this is my mind. I shouldn't have to wait here. So I just looked and looked. I kept on walking, 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 trying to look for one of y'all to give me cuts. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I was. I was looking for any of you. And I didn't see anybody, and so I find myself at the front, <laughs> this is a terrible story. I found myself, I'm just proving how much I hate delays. I found myself at the front of the place to get the ticket, and I go up to some unknown man, and I kind of stand by him like this, and I said, hey. And he goes, hey. I said, hey, if, if you buy me six tickets, I'll buy yours. And he goes, well, if you act like you're my girlfriend, I'll do it. And I said, okay. <laughs> Whatever. Nothing happened. I just said, okay. So I stood there with him like, oh, you know, just having to chat. So the thing is, and, and then he goes, don't even worry about my ticket. I'll let you get your tickets. But the point is, that's how much your pastor hits delays. I pimp myself out for some tickets. Because <laughs> I hate waiting. <laughs> Man, don't tell pastor that story. I didn't tell him it all that way. He goes, babe, you got tickets? I said, uh-huh. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. <laughs> but delays <laughs> cause us to lose heart. Delays cause us to lose confidence. God, why is it taking you so long? God, where are you? It's been three years. Come on. When we tell the story of our marriage up here, Pastor and I, we laugh and joke. Do you realize that was a three-year process? We go through three years in three weeks. And we just give you the little highlights and the stuff we want y'all to know. Praise the Lord. Okay, which is a lot. But, but you know, it's three, three years and three weeks. It took years of delay 
but I did not cast away my confidence because the reward is I've got an amazing husband, a faithful man of God who loves Jesus, loves you all, and is a great preacher. Amen. But disappointment comes with delay sometimes. Here, here's a perfect example. Um, this scripture right here, Mark 5, 21 and 26. Mark 5, 21 through 26. It says this. It says, now when Jesus had crossed over by the boat to the other side, a great multitude to him, uh, gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by his name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him, meaning they pushed on him. Verse 25 says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for, 20, for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. We all know the story of the woman with the issue of blood, right? We know that story. Remember, she pushed through the crowd. She touched the hem of his garment. Garment perceived power, or Jesus perceived power came from his garment, and she was healed. And it was a great story, right? We know that story. But do we ever think about the leader, Jairus, that went to Jesus first and says, hey, listen, my daughter is at the point of death, okay? We're, that's a serious thing. At the point of death, she is dying, and Jesus says, yes, I'll go. And they're on the way to the house, and all of a sudden, this lady who shouldn't be outside anyway, can I get an amen? She wasn't supposed to be in public. She's interrupting the flow, praise God. She shouldn't even be out there. She comes up, and she bothers Jesus with her issue and delays your process. And I don't know about you, but if I was at that man of God, I'll be honest with you all today. I would have been like, wait a minute, lady. You've been bleeding for 12 years. One day ain't going to hurt you. <laughs> You're not dying. My daughter is dying. I need you to step aside because my priority is more important. And what I need done needs to get done now. But Jairus sat back and allowed Jesus to do his work. What an amazing man of God he was. Because I would have said, nah, uh you're delaying, you are delaying the process, and my daughter could die. But the leader said, I'm going to sit back and watch Jesus do his work. And, of course, Jesus went to Jairus' house, healed his daughter. She's healed and all that. But to me, that's an amazing story of delay, that Jairus did not become disappointed. I wonder if that story is more about the leader than it is about the woman with the issue of blood. I'm going to let you think about that, A strong men and women of God, that we are stable and we, we're not moved. Are we? Are we not moved? Do we get mad when God seems to push past you and help the little pitiful person over there that doesn't need, doesn't need help anyway? <laughs> Don't we think that? I need, I need you way more than her, and you just showed up like that. What about me? What about me? And then disappointment pulls us away instead of pushes us toward so you cannot allow when things don't happen the way you plan. Jairus didn't plan that. But when things didn't happen the way he planned, he still waited patiently, and his reward was great. His daughter was alive. And the third, the third thing, my third point, is what do you do when things don't go the way you planned? You have to understand the reason for your struggle in the first place. Why are you upset things didn't happen the way it, you, that you planned it? Remember we said the man's desires and the God orders and all, remember we explained all that? Sometimes we can get ourselves into trouble. And I'm going to be honest with you all, people of God, today, as I always am. You're really blessed to be under pastors that are transparent and we don't, we don't hide stuff from you. We'll tell you like it is. Ask us. We'll tell you. I was not supposed to preach today. Pastor's on sabbatical. Pastor said, hey, Kelly, I'm going out of town. I need to rest, okay? 
I need you to hold it down while I'm gone. Sure, honey, no problem. I'll do that for you. No problem at all. So during the week goes by. I'm tired because I'm working all week. I have Wednesday night service. I had to do Women Only Wednesday. And in my mind, back in my mind, I thought, you know, I'm not really feeling Sunday. Praise Can I just be honest with y'all? But on Thursday, I found myself spending two hours encouraging a man of God on what a blessing it is to be a preacher and how it is a privilege every time you get before the people of God and God uses you as a mouthpiece. It is a privilege that God allows you to speak his word, that God gives you revelation and allows you to speak and encourages people. It is an honor, and we should always be willing to do whatever God says to do, and we should be ready with the right now word at all times. It is our God call and responsibility, and there's nothing greater than to preach the gospel. Amen. But by Friday, I forgot my speech. And when pastor called and said, hey, so-and-so's in town, he wants to preach Sunday. I said, he goes, he goes, but I told him you got it. I said, oh, no, let him come. Pastor said, really? I said, yeah. He goes, are you not ready? I go, well, you know, I'm ready, but hey, you know, hey, we, let's, not, let's not dodge a blessing, you know, hey. <laughs> you know, let's just, let's just, let's just, let's go ahead. And, and I said, yeah, let's make it work. And he's like, well, I'm not sure if it works. I'm like, let's, let's just make it work. It'll be great. The people will love it. It'll be blessed. And, and, and you know, I could have said, no, because pastor goes, well, I told him you got it. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. While you're resting and worried, over, you, know, I, you know, I don't want you to be worried, but still kind of be worried because <laughs> I, I may not be ready for Sunday. And, and I said, I said, no, no, no. And I'm thinking, okay, this is great. I can take a break. I can enjoy my weekend. I can just watch football on my onesie and just not have to study. I could just have a weekend to myself. It wasn't a spirit-led decision, people of God. It was a flesh decision. Galatians 5 and 16 says this, I say then, walk in the spirit. That you will not desire the lust of the flesh. Don't think lust of the flesh is sex. We always think it's a sex thing. You know, you should grow past that being the lust of your flesh if you continue in Christ. You should get over. Although, I, can I just say this? For my single people, I've been single now for eight days. I'm praying for y'all. It's tough. In fact, right now, Jesus, help the singles. Give them strength in Jesus' name. Let them keep themselves, God. Father, when they reach over for that cold pillow, let them be encouraged. <laughs> you take that for granted. The rolling over access. Now it's just nothing. But the point is this. The lust of the flesh simply means the desire of the flesh. My flesh wanted some time off. That's a lust of the flesh. And I said, yeah, you know, fine, it's going to be good. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. You know what? It, it's, it's, it's the desire of the flesh. I don't feel like working. I don't feel like working. Don't we do that in our spiritual walk where we just don't feel like working? I, I just don't want to do the extra. I just want to be home. I want to be lazy. God, don't I deserve a lazy day? I don't want to do anything. But I knew the mandate of my life. And remember, I spent Thursday two hours encouraging that there's no greater gift. And then here I am, uh-uh, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to backpedal and go against everything that I said to this young preacher who was struggling. But see, listen, we have to, do you realize that the, 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 usually the time that you want to rest is the time where it's time to do work? I'm going to say that again. Usually when you feel like it's time to take a break, God's like, uh-uh, I need something for you to do. But your flesh will contradict what your spirit is saying. And then John 9 and 4 says this, um, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. 
The night is coming where no one can work. There is a set time, a specific time that God has given all of us to do the work of him. There's a, only a little bit of window of time that God says, no, 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 I need you to work while it is day because there will come a time when you cannot do the work anymore. But I'm here to encourage you, people of God, if that speaks to you, listen, do not rest. It's time to work. It's not time to lay down and take a break. It is time to get working. Proverbs 16 and 3 says, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. NIV says, commit your works to the Lord. Commit, meaning everything you do, commit it to Jesus Christ. And then it says, your plans will be established. Why are your plans established? Because you're committed to Jesus Christ. When you're committed to Jesus, Jesus Christ, everything you do fits in with his plan. His plan becomes your plan. His plan becomes your plan. His plan becomes your plan. But if you back away from that, now it's your plan versus his his plan but let me tell you his plan will win every time his plan will win every single time let me tell you this I was mad this morning when I found out that this speaker is not here not only is he here he's missing we don't know where he is nobody can reach him nobody can find him I pray the man of God is okay but he is I'm AWOL. We don't know where he is. And God's telling me, I didn't tell you you weren't supposed to preach. I didn't tell you you weren't supposed to be the one that brother. I didn't say to put your Bible down. I didn't tell you not to study. I will make the man disappear because my plan will supersede your plan. He says, listen, you can be mad all you want to, but daughter, I, you belong to me. And I am the director of the show. And you can try to think something's going to happen, but God will sure enough intervene and interject and interfere with what you thought was supposed to happen. So after first service, I was in the back, and I was mad, and the kids said, Mommy, mad. I said, I'm not mad at nobody. I'm not mad at the devil. I'm not mad at the preacher. I'm mad at myself because I know what God has called me to do. And anytime I have an opportunity to open up my mouth and preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I should see it as an honor and a privilege and a right and a blessing, not a burden. I said, I am mad at myself. So I'm gonna go ahead and put the devil in his place and prepare this message in 20 minutes and give the devil a black eye and tell him that you cannot stop what God has put inside of me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. God has made me that tail. I am above and not beneath. I can do anything that God has given me the power to do it. Come on and give God praise. Tell your neighbor, God has a way to remind you. Tell your neighbor, God has a way to remind you. And I know some of you here know exactly what I'm talking about. Now you thought you were going to do things a certain way and you had it all lined up, but God came in and blew up the plan because God is showing you it is not according to your will. It is not according to your might. Man can't do anything for you, but my God is strong and he is able. He's got a purpose for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. I said, my God, you made the man disappear? He's like, yep. We aren't running anything. We sometimes think we're in control. Let me tell you, our God is in control. He may let you feel like you are from it, but God is sovereign. 
He has a way to remind you that I created the beginning and I created the end. And if I created the beginning and the end, I created the middle. So you might as well be obedient, line up with my will, do what I told you to do, be sound in it, be strong in it, be sure in it, because you're going to do it anyway. Come on, give God some praise for that. Come on, you got to give God glory. There's comfort in that. That no matter what you face, God says, I've got you. You cannot turn to the left. You cannot turn to the right. I will put you on the right path. I am God. Thank you, Jesus. So the word of the Lord says in Proverbs 16 and 9, a man's heart plans his way. <laughs> you plan it. God is directing. You plan it, God is casting. You plan it, God is editing. You plan it, God is cutting stuff out your life. God is saying, I've got this. And when things will happen the way you plan, I planned it. When God does things you didn't plan, he planned the unplanned. He, he planned it. He knew today I'd be sitting there looking pitiful. <laughs> thinking, Jesus, what am I going to speak to your people? Lord, what should I say? Not a word. Lord, what should I preach? Not a word. Lord, which way should I go? Not a word. I said, well, I'm just going to tell him the devil. I'm going to tell him myself. That even as a pastor, we plan our ways. But no, no, no. We're just puppets on a string, people of God. We think we're doing it. But he has a way of reminding us he is in control. So what do you do when things don't go the way you plan? Remember this. Remember God has a plan for your life. Remember that you need to stay in the place of encouragement. And remember to understand the struggle. A lot of times we're disappointed because we planned things the wrong way. Let me give you this word that God gave me. A lot of times, disappointments will cause us to misappointments. Disappointments will cause us to misappointments. I could have sat back and said, I don't know what I'm going to do. Somebody, anybody, somebody get a mic. I would have missed this appointment to encourage you, to let you know that if I'm bold enough and strong enough to admit my flaws and errors, you can do the same, and God will still use you, and God will still anoint you, and God will still allow his purpose to manifest in our lives. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for the good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for the good. I wonder, is what I'm facing right now the test that God gave to me because of all that I said Thursday? Don't think it's strange. He's in control. If you are blessed by this message, give the Lord a hand praise. Come on, give him some praise. Come on, thank him that he is still the author and the finisher of your faith.